It's your favorite time of the morning. The Forum at 8. Favorite time of the morning. On AM Live. A very tight 55 minutes, judging by all the messages and the questions coming through. And, of course, uh, just looking at Twitter, my Twitter feed here as well. And what is trending top in South Africa right now is the National Senior Certificate 2016 results. So that is what we are focusing on as well. The national metric pass rate has increased from 70.7% in 2015 to 72.5% in 2016. Now, these results were announced by Minister of Basic Education Angie Motsecha in Midrand last night. The Free State was the best performing province with a pass rate um, uh, 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 eclipsing that of uh, the Western Cape and Gauteng. And on the forum this morning, we reflect on these results of the class of 2016, uh, which were released and uh, taking your questions and your calls. I tell you what, given the interest, the sheer interest that I see, I'm going to open the lines straight away. 0891-104-208, because I see you have many questions to ask, Minister. So, um, of course, it's the beginning of the year. So if there are other questions relating to education as well, uh, we won't stop you from asking those. So we're talking education this morning. The Minister of Basic Education is in studio and uh, looking uh, very refreshed. And uh, I can see shoulders, they, they, they seem somewhat lighter, I would think. Good morning. Thanks for coming through, Minister Mutseha. Good morning, Sakin, and good morning to your listeners. And thank you for having us. Did you finally get some sleep? I did, actually. So, was, yeah. are you happy with the result? I'm very encouraged. I think we can still do more. We can still support our three big rural provinces, Limpopo, Eastern Cape, and KZN more. So I'm very encouraged uh, that there is an upward trend, but I'm also acknowledging that there's still... Lots of work to do. Minister, let's talk about those provinces uh, very briefly. The, the Eastern Cape, Limpopo and um, KwaZulu-Natal. What seems to be the major problems there? I mean, the rurality is a big problem because the landscape is difficult to operate in. I mean, in KZN, to move from Devon to Newcastle, it's a day's trip to go and support schools. So the vastness of the province, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an issue. KZN, in terms of learner numbers, it's like five small provinces in one. They had 163,000 learners. The smallest province, uh, Northern Cape, had 11,000. So you can see the difference is huge in terms of the responsibilities in those provinces. But there are also small issues that should be attended to in in KZN if it has to do well. They have to monitor more. They have to remove people who are not capable. I mean, there are people who are just serial uh, uh, offenders and the province is really not dealing with them. So I do hope that the new MNC will have the, the, the courage to confront some of these hard problems and deal with uh, inefficiencies where they, repre- where they present themselves. But they are not easy provinces. Limpopo last year had to spend almost all the resources and energy on Vuani to protect learners in Vuan and didn't support the other learners adequately in preparing them for exams. And they had a three, a minus three, a three point something a decline, which is the highest decline that uh, we experienced this year. Eastern Cape has, got, has had its own challenges, serial problems, but I can assure you they, there's a real recommitment in the Eastern Cape to get things right. They've appointed for the first time after five years a permanent uh, head of department and he's a very capable man, and, but there's also willingness in the province to do things right. So I'm also hopeful for the Eastern Cape. But 
it's a number of challenges in those three provinces. Uh, will there be any target setting? I mean, uh, will you be, uh, you know, com- uh, holding people to certain car- targets and commitments? Because people from the Eastern Cape in particular, if I look at what uh, people are saying this morning, are very disappointed. And you speak about a recommitment, but I remember a time when you yourself, as National Minister, had huge challenges with the Eastern Cape where they were rejecting your intervention as well. No, exactly. That's why I'm saying I'm extremely encouraged now that there's goodwill in the province, there's a recommitment to do things right, there's, as I say, new leadership, but you can even see with the improvements that there is a, begin, a new beginning. There's the, 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 the some green shoots that are coming up out of the Eastern Cape, so I'm very hopeful. Eastern Cape, with all the difficulties, uh, yesterday we were celebrating that, for instance, Hrafrenet nationally had more learners in physical science who participated in physical science and passed very well. We have uh, districts in the Eastern Cape which are competing with some of the best districts in the country, which are in their 80s. So there are some green shoots in the Eastern Cape. And as I say, with a recommitment now and uh, a change of attitude, Mm. There is lots of hope in the Eastern Cape. Well, um, as I said, many questions coming through from our listeners, and I want to get into uh, some of those. You spoke about serial offenders, serial problems within the system. Now, Sandile Kowane asks, uh, please ask the minister, what will happen to the teachers and principals of the 18 schools that have had a 0% pass rate? We have to understand what the problems are. You know, one of the problems, Sakina, which is between us also in communities, there are schools which are unviable, which I don't understand how we've allowed them to continue. Your, 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 your small schools, if you have a school of 75 kids from grade 8 to 12, there is no way you can be able to provide quality education. So we have to fast track the problem of closing down unviable schools because those are the schools that get zeros. You have multi-grade schools. Again, the provinces, we've been urging them to make sure that they provide even ICTs to support the school. So some of the schools you can't blame, they're just simply unviable. And sometimes communities resist the closure of those schools. There are schools that had established themselves during apartheid times. They really don't fight us and even take us to court when we close them down. So we have to understand what would have led in that situation. But I can tell you, in most instances, it's unviable schools. And, of course, the lines are open, 891 for you to ask uh, those questions. And uh, let's also let's, uh, just focus, before we get to calls, Minister, on the issue of those progressed learners. Now, there was a lot of talk about that last year and uh, the fact that these learners who could not pass on their own steam in grade 11 uh, then being condoned to grade 12. But that was one of the success stories, wasn't it? I'm actually very excited about that, Sakina, because when we tracked our throughput rates, our completion rates, we discovered that our kids stay at school until they're 15, which is about grade 9, 10. After that, we lose almost 30% of them at a go. And we had to investigate, amongst others, what are the reasons. Repetition rates were high in those phases, and therefore we had a very poor throughput rate. So then we decided that Let's see if, because as educationists, we know repeating learners, and it's a South African phenomenon that they think if you are weak, you have to repeat, then you're going to improve. Repeating, making kids repeat grades does not necessarily improve their chances of performance. 
What improves chances of performance? It's additional support to close the deficits that have made you fail. So we said, if children or young people have failed grade 11 more than once, let's give them an added dose of support to improve their chances of, of success. And that's because we know for a fact that if they repeat more than twice, when they're over age, because we also don't want over age learners in our schools, they get discouraged and leave school. And we have evidence that indeed they leave school. So we said, let's progress them, give them a second chance, give them an added dose to support them in areas where they are weak, to make sure that at least they leave the system with a qualification. And I'm excited to say, even amongst those learners that would have been in grade 11 in 2016, we got distinctions. Some of them passed. They got distinctions in some of the subjects. Some of them got bachelors. Some of of them got diplomas. And these are some of the kids who could have been discouraged and left school without a qualification. So though our results reflect 72.5 when we add them on, if we remove them, we stand at 76%. But the percentage is not an issue. It's a human element, which is an issue to Mm. say, how many kids did we give an opportunity or a second chance, an opportunity to succeed? Some of them have modularized, because when we looked at the September marks, we just said there's no way you're going to be able to focus on six subjects in preparing for exams and pass. Just write these three, that, the three that you have passed now in September, we'll work with you next year to write the other three in June. Again, increasing their chances of, of passing. And I'm very excited. I know it's, it's, it's a big burden from provinces. Uh, they have to focus on these weak learners, but they still have to prepare the learners that they have passed. And you can see that it does. It did affect their the performance in many respects that provinces now had to really, because we didn't give them additional resources, mm. so they had to do more with less. And that's why they were very unhappy with the policy. So have you learned any significant lessons from that support uh, given to those uh, progressed learners and the results that we see that can be replicated maybe way before they get to matric? Yeah. What we have decided as a sector, because intervening at grade 11 is too late. We're just dealing with really a situation that we should have dealt with, identify those deficits lower in the grades, in your primary school, and support them. Because how then profile to those progress learners to say, who are these kids who keep on repeating grade 11 and don't proceed? Most of them are kids who are progressed even from lower phases. So which means the interventions have to come much more earlier so that we don't have this bottleneck in grade 11. But we see in the free state, for instance, free state supported not only their learners that they had passed on their own in grade 11, but also progressed learners. 68% of the learners have progressed passed in the free state. In Gauteng, 61% of progress learners have passed. And Northwest, 62% passed. And we know for a fact that those three provinces had dedicated support to help progress learners. Some of the provinces, like Limpopodi, couldn't even support their own learners. But as I said, they were dealing with the crisis they had. Only 35% of those learners passed. KZN, very few passed. Western Cape, few passed. And it's for us to work with those provinces to encourage them to support more but what we've done also, so that we don't burden provinces too much, we've tightened also the, 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 the promotion, the progression conditions. So they'll be much more tighter to make sure that we, because 43% passes also not good enough for us. Because uh, that's the other issue, yeah, you know, so quality the, over quantity. Exactly. So there's 43% of them that have passed 
And we say we want to target 60% of progress learners passing and those that are fading be part of the second chance. So there's no child who's left behind. But you also don't want to overburden provinces that uh, they're unable to do the everyday work that they're supposed to do and are really dealing with remedial work, which we don't have resources for and they sometimes don't have plans for. But we'll be working with provinces to make sure that we can now reach a target of 60% for condoned uh, learners. All right, many, many questions. Let me, um, I'll go to the lines immediately after this one from uh, Sloni, who wants to know. Um, can Mayor Angie uh, please uh, respond to this issue of standardization of results uh, by Umalusi and what it actually means? Standardization is to make sure that there is, we maintain the same standard. It's been there since time mm. immemorial, mm. and it happens internationally, where you have to moderate learners to make sure that the quality, and I think, Professor Volmik explained it very well. That the child who pass, passes in 1996, their quali- the currency of their qualification must be the same of with the child who passed in 2016. And they have methods and instruments that they use to make sure that there is not an evenness to say this year the maths paper was much more easier, therefore uh, kids pass in big numbers. And people scream with upward and they don't scream with, with lowering down. For instance, kids this year passed accounting and physical science very well. And Malusi brought it down to say there must be either the, you, you just can't have too much fluctuation in the system. So they moderated down. So they use their instruments, they use their methodology. It's experts in that area. It's professionals of high sta- standing in the country. We even have international observers also to come and observe the way we moderate or standardize the results. But the whole exercise to make sure that the currency or the, the the quality of the certificate is consistent throughout the period. Well, we have a lot of questions, so let's go to our listeners. 0891-104-208. Willie is calling us from, uh, is it Steel Fontaine? Stark Fontaine? Good morning, Willie. Good morning, Sadina. Uh, it's in Steel Fontaine, near Trekstock. Ah, Steel Fontaine. Good morning. That's right. Good morning, uh, and, 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 and the minister uh, over there. Look, um, uh, Sadina. You know, with 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 Eastern Cape, we've been having loads and loads of problems uh, 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 pertaining to, to to temporary teachers who would go for eleven years without their salaries. So uh, such concerns as well also uh, uh, affect our, our our education very very negatively. What does the the, the 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 minister say about that? And it's been years and years and years. Point number two. <clears throat> The very same uh, temporary teachers, they will, they, they, they will practice what you call chop and change. In primary school, you find the, the, the teacher coming for only five, five months, and from there he's going to disappear because of the satisfaction of primary teachers who, I mean, I mean temporary teachers, who go for close to three to four years without qualifying to become a permanent teacher. Sad to say, they should take only two years, you see, being on trial and from there to be permanent. But now it's not the case. So it frustrates. 
the temporary teachers who contribute to what you call chop and change. The chop and change uh, confuse the great ones, confuse the great us and other teachers, you see. Now, now culture of teaching, it's, it's, it's not effective because of chop and change, chop and change of teachers. Thank you very much, Fatima. Thank you so much, uh, Willie and Stelfontaine. I want to answer these questions uh, as briefly as possible as they come through so that we actually do justice to their minister. The Eastern Cape, and we touched on uh, some of the problems there, but uh, the issue of temporary teachers, infrastructure development, uh, underspending money that was returned from the province uh, when you still have these infrastructure problems. Now, as I said, Ellen Sakina, that Eastern Cape has begun to deal with its problems. And I can assure people in the, in the Eastern Cape that all the problems that they raised were aware of, and there's a systemic way, systemic way of dealing with them. For instance, we've even sent the former head of department of the Western Cape to go and camp in the Eastern Cape and assist them. She's been there from last year, June, to work with the province systematically to deal with the problems that are where are they in the province. As I said, they've appointed a full-time person, and there is a person that we have sent, a team that we have sent from National to go and work with them. So I can assure all of them, I can assure people in the Eastern Cape that we, we with the province, mm. we are dealing with problems, and we should be able to, this year, improve quite dra- drastically. The question of temporary relate? teachers is, it's, 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 it's a tricky one because, and it's not all of them. Mm. Why you have lots of temporary teachers? Teachers took their packages, left, and come back again. And then they become temporary because then you can't re-employ them full-time when they had taken their packages. So this top and change was as soon, the, as soon as you then have a young qualified teacher, we give them permanent posts so they're not permanent because they've resigned as permanent, then they remain temporal forever. So it's not just an easy problem. Not all of them, but the majority of them, it's teachers who took what we call stooja. They go in, out through this door, come back through this other door. Mm. And it creates lots of instability also for the department, but also for themselves. Now, Minister, and whilst I hear and I understand what you are saying, for someone sitting somewhere in rural Eastern Cape, they see their children having to go to school in these dilapidated buildings, and yet the province, the department, returns money that was not spent, and they are sitting with a school that's falling apart or no school at all. What do you say to those people? No, we've put measures because that's the start of 2015. That's why I said this 2016 we had sent Penny Vingevold and a team of people to go and help in the Eastern Cape. That's the point I'm saying. So that returning of money was 2015, 2016 we responded. And they've been very happy with the support that Penny has been giving them. Penny ran a very successful system in the Western Cape. She's got a team of people. We've got, there are lots of issues, there are legal issues that are there in the Eastern Cape, there are disciplinary issues. We've sent a, a, a team of lawyers to also unblock where there are blockages, but the reassurance I have for them in the Eastern Cape, we are dealing with problems in the Eastern Cape. They may not be solved overnight, and I can assure people in the Eastern Cape, there's a clear recommitment, both from the political leadership of the, of the Eastern Cape and administration of the, of the Eastern Cape from the Premier's office to deal decisively with these perennial problems that are in the province. Let's go to Andile, who's calling from Virginia. Ah, you must be very happy in the Free State this morning. Hello, Andile. Hello, hello, Sakina. Welcome. Okay, okay, Sakina, congrats uh, to the Free State, I've been. But I wanted to highlight uh, the problems in the Eastern Cape, the problems that are experienced by the Eastern Cape. Number one, in the Eastern Cape, there are no libraries. 
So students can't even uh, do like research, no internet. They, they don't have uh, access to libraries. There are no libraries. Number two, the road infrastructure. Uh, some of the teachers can't even go to school if, it, if it's raining, if it's raining, I mean, because of the road. And uh, kids are also traveling long distances to schools. I mean, uh, if, if that can be fixed, I mean, uh, otherwise, this think it will continue to be normalized for the next coming 20 years. If, 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 if they can't fix the, the road in, infrastructure, as well as if, if, if they cannot even uh, build libraries for the kids, I mean, for the students. Mm. Okay, thanks, Sabina. Thank you so much, Andile. The answer is that we've sent a team to go and work. Some of the problems are beyond their control. can't do much with the roads. With the roads, integrated And some approaches. of the problems are not just your infrastructure. I mean, there mm. are also bad roads in the free state. Yeah. So other departments would have to come to the party as well. But I think, Andile, uh, points noted, those are very real concerns. Chris in Durban, good morning. Morning, uh, morning. Quickly, frankly, there was an initiative in case that... Uh, called an ideal class, which simply meant that you define what a classroom should look like, what are the minimum requirements you should have. Uh, I wonder, I want to hear what the minister's comment is. But secondly, and almost tied to that is, has the department defined the capabilities of a school principal and a ward manager? Because I think some of these, once we have a standardized definition of what capabilities those people should have, some of the problems of management that we are having in the department would, would be resolved. And lastly, uh, would the minister consider, maybe I might not know, as a, a, a departmental agency that would assist the department with issues of research, uh, informing what are the policies that need to be changed, what the policies, new policies that need to be implemented, so that the department can also get assistance from uh, organizations like uh, Equal Education, but working very closely with an agency of the department. Thanks. Thank you so much, Chris in Durban. Minister? No, I... In terms of infrastructure and what should be the ideal teachers, we have norms and standards which say what should be an ideal class look like. In terms of what principles, the qualifications, the qualities of the principal, there is a document also which spell, which indicates what are the expectations of the principal, but the things that we have them in place. So we have to assist those that are in place who are not necessarily meeting that standard. And that's where the challenge also is. So that the new principals who are going to be appointed are going to be appointed according to the the benchmark that we have set, but those that are there, we're not going to necessarily not have them because mm. we already, so the, the document is there. In terms of research, we are very privileged as a sector because it's a sector which has lots of interest. So there are lots of research agencies working very close with us. Your universities, your Stellan Bosch's, they have every year they dedicate a research week just to deal with issues that affect the sector. And it's not only students, but almost all universities work with us on different topics around maths. I mean, we had a, round, a maths round table. So we had academics. You run people who are not education specialists. So equal education is a lobby group. It's not an education specialist group that will do the policy, that will guide us on what needs to be done, who will have done research in our schools and highlight problems. So we're very privileged that we have lots of NGOs that work in education that provide us with information. We have lots of, almost all universities, including your Human Science Research Council, that provide us with information and data. You have your, your JET, which also provides us with information. 
we have the NCT, which is now a collaboration of different academics. The business itself, your sister Mosani, your Lambert are, are there also in NCT. They marshal all the resources that are there in the, in the country to provide information about what is happening in the classrooms. And NCT operates in schools. And we sit with them on the same board almost monthly get reports about what their observations are. So that area is covered in terms of research and information. What needs to happen is to support, because what is coming out also around challenges are societal issues that impact on children. Things like bullying, things like social decadence, things like absenteeism. Those are some of the issues that are also out of our control, but which are very important and impact very seriously on our performance in schools. And again, then that's where we also need a partnership with societies to protect schools and protect our children and make sure that we instill values that help them to be better people and therefore perform better. But I can say, Sakina, we're a very lucky sector because we have lots and lots of support from outside and from academics, not only lobby groups that help in terms of highlighting where the challenges are, mm-hmm. but people who are in the classrooms and doing work and understanding the business of the department much more deeper in terms of information. So we need all of them, mm. the lobby groups, but also the researchers. So I, want, I want to come back to that after the news break, because um, in terms that of that ideal classroom, uh, we now do have norms and standards uh, in place. There's a policy guiding that. But also, if you look at things like uh, the uh, learner-to-teacher ratio, that is still of great concern. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina and thanks for tuning in this morning, speaking to the Minister of Basic Education, Minister Angie Motseha, this morning. We're talking about education, uh, basic education overall, but of course uh, there is a particular emphasis on uh, the matric results from 2016, as those were announced uh, last night. So uh, many questions still coming through. Uh, the lines are buzzing 891 And I just want to read some of the messages before I get back to uh, the issues raised before that news break. Uh, Mduduzi Sibanyoni says, um, please ask the minister how she plans to deal with the non-functional schools. What is the cause there? And someone else, I can't find it now, but I saw a comment earlier from someone who was saying, uh, when the minister says we must close these uh, non-viable schools, when the Western Cape did that, there was a big uproar about that. So what has changed now? Uh, Moya Manala says, uh, before my crit, but before my crit, uh, let me congratulate Matrix for a job well done. The future isn't in your symbols but in your thinking education isn't a uh, quantity and uh, percentage we produce but the quality uh, to compete numbers don't make resourcefulness and uh, what we have done since the dawn of democracy is to produce average pupils our education system is failing the black child Uh, lenient umkanya says uh, do you think there's foul play concerning limpopo results given the vuani protests that lasted for months. Another question I also saw about uh, Vuani was whether you were happy uh, uh, about those results from Vuani. So a number of questions coming through. But Minister, let's just pick up where we left off before the break, uh, talking about the norms and standards, talking about classroom sizes, the uh, teacher-to-learner ratios, because all of those factors do impact on what we ultimately produce. No, they do, Sakina, but also... We have the real world, which really sometimes 
brings up things that we're, we, we are not expecting. For instance, Gauteng, they have a huge immigration again this year. So they're not going to send kids home and say, we only need 35 children in a class, go and stay home, we don't have plates for you. The state has an obligation to make sure that in the compulsory phase, it provides spaces. So if there are 35 kids and there are 30 kids outside, we're going to have to put them in classes because that's, the, that's what the reality dictates. So we have the ideal situation, but we have the real world. And we've been lucky that we have teachers who have been graciously taking the pressure of the challenges that we, meet, we have as a sector. We say the classroom must be this size, must have those so many tests. How is going to have to put in mobile classrooms? It's not, it's not an ideal classroom, but they're not going to put kids under the sun because the classes, because there are no classes. They're going to have to. So, yes, we have the ideal norms and standards. We have norms and standards about class size, about the type of class, but there's reality. To say at the end of the day, the obligations to have every child in a classroom. And that's why sometimes we have challenges and difficulties which we always try to work on. So that's my answer about us not meeting the very standards that we have set for ourselves. The question about environmental schools, I agree with the, with the caller. When Western Cape was, the decision of the Western Cape to close environmental schools was a national decision. But the community in the Western Cape reacted and asked the department who supported the Western Cape because they were on the correct path. In the Eastern Cape, there are delays also about merging these small schools because communities are also resisting. Same in Limpopo. So it's not only Western Cape where there, was, there were challenges. And we, we can't control them, but we still agree with the Western Cape when they were closing unviable schools and were urging other provinces to continue to close these unviable schools because it's not helpful. It's not helpful for learners. It's not also helpful for us as government. And then non-performing schools, what is the plan to deal with them? Provinces, because it's provinces that have to report to me, to give me plans on how they're dealing with non-performing schools. So again, they're going to profile them, which schools are those, and give me plans to say what is that they're doing. But it's provinces that are going to be dealing with non-performing schools and give us ongoing reports in terms of how they're responding. Okay, let's get back to the lines. Uh, let's go to Toyando GM. Good morning. Yeah, morning, morning to the minister. Uh, school of special education. Yeah, you have had uh, that gentleman who, who at least tried to from uh, uh, school for the blind. Then we are having a serious problem in our, you know, in the schools of special education because there's no any facilities, there's no any assistive devices. Which almost all the all these years they were trying. Even even last you've seen all that that school, the one school for the blind, were on strike several several days, and but at least it has managed. But the problem which I realized is that we uh, understand the deployment in your department, but nothing about about us without us as a disabled people. We find that the person who is administrating the special education doesn't have any understanding of 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 that kind of education. Does it know anything about the assistive devices, anything about maybe the bread books and so on, especially the blind people because they are having uh, their education stated much on the special uh, 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 instruments and so on. Then the minister tried to intervene because we realize that nowadays every year uh, the, the, the student who pass uh, uh, or who is supposed to go to the universities and other institutions are deteriorating. Just mm. to, uh, 
Yeah, like like this year, maybe we have seen only two people or three people who have passed, which is totally unfair. Uh, GM, I'll tell you what, uh, don't put the phone down. I want to put you back to our producers uh, so they can take your details because I think it would be helpful if a minister can get in touch with you because you seem to know about specifics pertaining to this. So please uh, don't put it down. I'll put you back to the producers. Minister, very important issue this. Yeah, and his information is not very accurate. We had more than 1,900 learners from from special schools who wrote. Where he's correct and which is what we had started even three years back, was to flag out special schools. If you remember, in 2013, I even declared it a, a, a special education year to make sure that we give dedicated attention to issues that come from special schools. So we're aware of them. We're working with, because he's correct, we ourselves as, as people who, who, are, who don't have those challenges may not understand other issues, but we work with those t- communities. We work with communities of, of people with all forms of disabilities. We have formal relationships and partnerships with them. When we even develop sign language, we are assisted by the community of deaf, the deaf community helped us with standardizing a sign language. Every year we meet with them to check our progress. We work with the community of people, of, of, of the blind community. We even have in that section in the department dealing with special education, the head of it is a blind person. So we would not as non-blind people, just pretend that we know the sector. So he may not have all the information. We'll take the numbers. We'll give him the information about how we deal with special education. There are still lots of challenges in the sector. There are lots of challenges. But we're flagging them. We're working on them. And it's not accurate that we, have, we don't have specialists in the department, in the different disabilities, who are dealing with issues and the communities. What is the long-term view, though, in this regard? Because I remember last year, towards the end of last year, in fact, it was, you know, a running theme throughout uh, between myself and one of our listeners who was very concerned about three learners in the Eastern Cape uh, uh, who did unfortunately not get the necessary support that they needed, learners with disabilities. And we tried to intervene. We tried, you know, to get in touch with the the Department of Education, not very successfully. So what is the long-term vision here with regard to learners with disabilities? No, we have a white paper on inclusive education. The NDP itself is instructing us to ensure that there's inclusivity. That's why we have a dedicated focus to deal with issues that arise there. As I say, the first thing is to get close to the communities because they understand the issues there. We work very close with the communities to provide the necessary support and also provide the, to, to create the necessary policy. And for instance, counting for the first time, is create, is, is, he has opened a number of schools of kids who are uh, autistic, which is something that was not there in the past, we didn't have enough schools for kids with autism, especially in townships. The provinces are doing it. We're monitoring them. We know how Deng and KZN are leading in that area. Eastern Cape was challenged also in terms of the provision for children with special needs. Other provinces don't have those facilities. They send their kids to Gauteng, which sometimes is a problem because then they don't have their community support. But it's not something which is out of the radar. It's one of the areas that we're focusing on as part of the NTP. But are you satisfied that you know that at provincial level, these issues actually receive the necessary attention, Minister? I know. That's why I say I know. I'm very excited that Gauteng is creating schools for autism. The other problem is also 
having specialists, and that's been our biggest problem, having specialists and skilled people to deal with uh, the sector. I mean, autism is a very specialized area. Mm. We have very few people who can deal with autism in an informed manner. Very few people are able to sign, even teachers are are able to sign. Then it means you have to train more teachers. So our biggest problem also is not only infrastructure, it's not only policy, but it's skilled people to deal with uh, challenges in the sector. And that's why we need uh, the communities in those uh, areas supporting us in order to provide quality services. But we're monitoring provinces. We're working with them and we're working with the sector and with different areas of specialization. Let's go to Mtata. Good morning, Sizwe. Hello, my sister. How are you? Well, and you? I'm fine. Yes. Can I speak to the minister? Please do. Do you want to know what you want? Yes. Let me congratulate the first day for doing very well. And then I want to touch on the Eastern Cape. You know, there are huge problems in the Eastern Cape. One of the problems that I want to touch on is uh, educators who, there's an exodus of educators who have resigned, who go and make a huge contribution in other provinces. And that is the harsh reality that we're facing. These educators are quite experienced. And when they get to other provinces, they get employed. You go to the Western Cape, you go to the Free State, you go to Houghton, they are there. These educators actually resigned because of their financial constraints. And it's at least in the Eastern Cape they've committed a crime because they don't get employed in the Eastern Cape. Even if they're employed on a temporary basis in those provinces, but they make a contribution. Now, I want to know, is there any legislation that says these educators must not be employed, even if they're employed on a temporary basis? Because I think we can make an intervention here. Because there's lack of educators. These educators are prepared to go to the far-flung areas to go back and teach. But unfortunately... There's always these administrative problems. They don't get employed. And one other unfortunate thing, they're always invited to apply. They apply, they're invited for interviews, they become successful in the interviews. Then their things are blocked in tissue to say, no, they cannot be employed. But it's as if there can be something that can be said that they should not be applied. That is the harsh reality that we're facing. Many applicants have left, they've left their families, and they're making contributions in these other provinces. If you could actually give me an answer to this, what is actually going on? Because it seems like there is a legislation, but I don't see it from the Eastern Cape Department of Education. Okay, thank you so much, uh, Sizwe. Tebuho in Cape Town, good morning. Tebuho? We are well, thank you. Minister's Um, listening. All right. Uh, My contribution to Akina is in relation to, I mean, let me first start by congratulating my uh, province of the state for, you know, the rest. And... My mind is in relation to the stakeholders into the I mean, to the education sector. I mean, we see that the educators are trying their best, the department is also trying their best. But my mind is in relation to the professionals that are also forming part of the communities where the schools are struggling. I mean, I'm one of the professionals, and hearing into this whole process of what happened at the moment, I'm willing to go out there and collect some other professionals who can contribute towards the, the mathematics and, and the science so we can help the teachers you now relieve at least a bit of the uh, attention from there for them. But now what I want to ask, what I ask from the minister is, uh, is these processes like where the non-profit uh, organizations that are contributing to the education, their contribution, is it also being quantified for them to be maybe encouraged so they can see the, 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 the impact of their contribution towards the education sector in South Africa? Is it being uh, quantified and communicated out there so that they can be encouraged at least to be also performing part of the um, contributing stakeholders into the whole process? Okay, thanks, Tebuho. Uh, let's answer those two quickly, Minister. Yeah. 
you know, back to the Eastern Cape. You mm. see, the Eastern Cape problems are many second. In the Eastern Cape, unlike in other provinces, you know, Eastern Cape has less learners than Gauteng, almost half. They have more than double the number of schools. So which means you can see the problem about small schools. Eastern Cape has sometimes a phenomenon of two children's school. That's completely unviable. And when you want to close it, it's the community, not the department that they refuse. So the number of issues that are, are being dealt with. This question of temporal teachers, I've explained it, but it's also not very true that the Eastern Cape is oversupply of teachers. That's why sometimes even their budget does not balance because what is happening with the Eastern Cape and other rural provinces, there's out-migration in rural areas and kids coming to Gauteng and the Free State. And that's why they will find, you will find jobs that when teachers apply in Gauteng will find posts because there's in-migration to Gauteng, there's also in-migration into, into the Western Cape and out-migration. The numbers are declining in the Eastern Cape, so you can't keep the same number of teachers. So that people's applications are held are, are, are sabotaged at Tbilisi. I don't know, but what I know for a fact, they have, a, they have an oversupply of teachers. They have declining numbers. They have too many schools. Too many schools. I mean, if you have five thousand schools, which means you have five thousand principals that you have to pay at a certain rate. Gauteng has almost. As I say, double the ch- children of the Eastern Cape, but it has 2,000 schools. So which means they're only paying 2,000 principals. So it's, 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 it's also a financial problem, it's an administrative problem that, as I said, we're working on with the provincial leadership, both politically and also in the administration. So Eastern Cape problems are many, and, and, and I can assure again, people in the Eastern Cape that we are dealing with Eastern Cape, and the province has a recommitment to making things work. In terms of stakeholders... We appreciate this. Lots of, that's why I say we're a very lucky sector because lots of people have interest in the upbringing of children, the lives of children. They bring skills in different ways. What normally helps is to have those initiatives coordinated. You see in the Free State, one of their winning recipes, they have a massive partnership program with Kahiso Trust and Shanduga led by the Deputy President. It's an old investment. He started it off whilst he was still in business. And it's yielding benefits now. In other provinces, we do want this process to be coordinated because it can be disruptive. If somebody's going to wake up on a good morning and say, I'm a, I'm a mathematician, can I help you with metric classes? They hardly know where you are. They don't know what the deficits, deficits are. So you want it to be coordinated and structured because it can be dis- good as it may be. can be disruptive if it's not properly coordinated. So what we normally appeal to people that they must make sure that they work with us so that we're on the same page and we complement each other. And hence, I keep on speaking about the NECT. The NECT's aim is to mobilize the support that we're getting from outside and partner with us as government. That's why you have big corporates. All the banks are supporting us. The mines are, happy, are helping us. Some of your best brains in the country, as I say, have mentioned you, Lambetti, your Nwasana, your Futim Toba, are people who are leading that initiative with your Teach South Africa to make sure that they coordinate support that is given to us as a sector. And therefore, we encourage people to really work with those organized structures to come forward. Last year, they convened, NECT convened a forum for NGOs and all people working in education so that they can coordinate the support they're giving to the department. It's much more worthwhile or, or, or helpful when it's coordinated so that we're able to complement each other and don't find a way where it's, it's, it's a touch and go. There's lots of professionals. I mean, the Eastern Cape, I was quite impressed. Young people from the Eastern Cape organized themselves. September, they all took leave 
to when helping their province. So it's very encouraging. They, they organized, they spoke to us long, long, uh, way in advance. So by the time they come to our schools in September, we're ready for them. And then they are also ready. And we've been talking throughout the year to make sure that we're on the same page and they know what is that they're going to help us with. Let's go back to the lines. Uh, Zizi Godwa in Johannesburg, good morning. Morning, SK, and uh, very good morning to the minister. Just two things, minister. I think that uh, you've done well for the country. I think you are part of that class of 2016, which must be kind of congratulated, including the teachers, educators. You are part of that class of 2016. But most importantly, I think from a point of view of policy, you recall in 2009, when the decision was taken by the African National Congress to, sp- to split basic education from higher education, there was an avalanche of attack and criticism of a bloated cabinet. And I got the proof of gradually and progressively of results. I approve that decision was correct. But you need to focus on basic education. If you look at the results since then, under your leadership minister, we are proud of the country that indeed the cause of Freedom Charter to open access to a black child in particular, but also to make sure that education is the apex, continues to be a priority of this government, is, pay, is, pay, is paying off. And I think if we are to continue this social compact, the social partners between yourself and teacher union, SATU and others, is paying off. Because if you look at the past year, I think that stability from the union and the relationship with government is paying off in terms of the outcome of the results, continue with the good work. And I think as a country, we continue to face challenges. Nowhere shall we say we have reached perfection because we integrated a number of fragmented education systems, particularly in areas such as rural provinces, Eastern Cape, KZN, and Limpopo. There were many integrated uh, education systems. It's going to take time to overcome those challenges, but overcome, I think, with leadership and the courageous leadership that takes decision will be able as a country to say we're celebrating success because the numbers of a black child that continues to enter the system and exit in terms of the output is exciting. I think the okay. future is bright. Thanks very much. Thanks so much, Zizi. Uh, John in Bushpark Ridge, good morning. Good morning, madam. Uh, my question is, will be short and constructive. What I want to know from the minister, why they have closed the College of Education it was not better for a person to become a teacher rather than to go around and seeking the job which he is going to be uh, not exactly what is going to happen to you, to him or her. Okay. And we, I know a lot of teachers who have trained to be a teacher, but they are not working uh, as a teacher, but they are working a good jobs and everything. All right. Thanks so much, John. Spoo in Port Elizabeth, good morning. Yes, good morning. Yes. Good morning to you, Fatima. Compliment of the New Year. And good morning to the Minister. Yes, yes. I'd like to congratulate the class of 2016 and congratulate the Minister as well for the job well done because even though in the Eastern Cape there is a we're still at the bottom of the class, but there was a slight improvement. There are problems in our education system, as the minister and the callers have expressed. There are a lot of problems, and she has also tried to, to elaborate on those problems. But the other problem that we that we are facing with uh, with our education system is the involvement of the parents in, 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 in teaching and learning, because most of these are... Of the, most of the results, they are a reflection of what is happening 
with us because we don't get involved in our children's education, especially the black, uh, the, the black uh, parents in the township schools, because this we see at the end of the year. And then each year, when the metric results are published, we also we, we, we always cry and we blame the government. But during the academic year, we don't get involved in any in, 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 in any way with our children's education. So I would like to urge the, 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 the parents to start off as early as now, so that at the end of the year, we can, the Eastern Cape can yield better results as it, as it has done now in the class of 2016. Thank you, Sakina. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, that was um, Spoo in Port Elizabeth. Uh, let me run through a few others. Uh, someone else, Gudwa, also wants to know about the situation around the colleges, closing of colleges. There's a question about uh, having two education systems running parallel. Why do you have the IEB and um, NSC? And then a few other Others as well. Um, a few people not happy with uh, your response, Minister, about the consequences for the schools with the zero percent pass rate. I guess people want, you know, a more punitive action uh, in dealing with those who are not performing. And then um, some of the messages on the SMS line. Foundation phase starts producing failures from grade R and the morale amongst teachers is very low. Our education system was in a downward spiral, but now it's in crash mode. Uh, Please, I've tried contacting the Department of Education various times, but no one is prepared to take our course. Calls, arrogance at its best. That's from Saliha. Uh, Dave Kay in the Eastern Cape says, ask the minister how many of these metrics uh, who are not going to varsity or college will have jobs in six months. Uh, just a thumbsuck percentage will do. Bernard in the Eastern Ca- uh, in East London says, I think the Eastern Cape must pump in more foreign teachers as the Free State did because it seems to have paid off there. And then this one, I have three children who are currently in various stages of the education system and then the rest is missing. Apologies for that. Stan KZN says, I would like to congratulate the minister and her department for their hard work. There's a lot of groundwork to be covered, but my daughter passed. Uh, this one says, sad that governments say that they won't support Ben Yoon School in Limpopo in 2017. Another one, uh, the major problem associated with the Eastern Cape pass rate is the HR at that department of basic education. They don't pay teachers um, under their employ. And uh, just, I guess, to strengthen that point, here's an SMS from Pat. And Pat says, Minister, I resigned um, as a temporary, uh, uh, I resigned a temporary teaching post. And when I got another post years later, I was made to work without pay. I'm a modern day slave in your department. And uh, uh, Mariah Kekana says, we don't take any excuses. Um, The MEC in Dempopo, MEG Khechepe, failed in the province. And now it's the second time he uh, circulated with the departments and nothing good has emerged from him. So, Minister, what are you going to do about all of this? Yeah, let me talk, uh, respond to the one around colleges. Or let me say government is reopening a number of them. That's in, the, in Pumalanga. The history of colleges that there were too many of them in the country and the quality was quite problematic. So what unfortunately we did, the response was to close all of them and say all students have to be trained at universities. Now with hindsight, there is reopening of colleges under Minister Zimani, but attaching them to universities to make sure that the quality issue can be maintained because the, the way they were 
operating the parts was also not very helpful f- for the country. But there is a co- commitment to reopen not only your your, your teacher colleges, even your nursing colleges, uh, which were all uh, shut down, not by this government, but also by the, the National Party's government, which closed the, 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 the teacher college, so the, 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 the nursing colleges. So there is a reaction to that matter about colleges. The one about getting support and be, and that's what I was saying earlier, second, that we are a lucky sector that there are lots of people who want to help us. But help can be disruptive, it's not coordinated. I mean, if I open my email in the morning, it's everybody who has a view about what needs to happen. So I agree that we cannot afford to not listen to, to everybody, but we can also listen to everybody. So there needs to be a balance as to how we coordinate the support and the advice so that, as I say, not every day there's anybody who wakes up with a bright idea, tells you what to do, then you do it. There must be a way of managing that so that you don't ignore what people say and advise you on, but you don't act on everything that everybody tells you on a daily basis about what you should do as a sector. So it's not arrogance, but it's just managing the relationships and appreciating them. So I can tell Sally that we appreciate the relationships, but we're trying to manage them. The other problem about what we do with schools that are underperforming, I don't want to shift responsibility to say provinces run schools. According to the law, they must report to me what is it they're doing and I have to monitor it. And I can assure you that on an ongoing basis we monitor that. But they time slavery, people are free either through the president's call line to alert us to problems that are there. It's a big system. I can't deny the fact that some of the things work don't work properly. But that's why there's a presidential hotline. There's also an, a, a hotline for us. And I can tell you, Sakina, we follow up on, especially on issues about employment, about pensions, to make sure that we can support our teachers. So if there have been such problems, let them bring them to us. And I can assure, promise them that we will attend to them. Because indeed, it's unfair to get anybody to, 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 to work and be a day Say modern day slave, slave, mm. and still not de- uh, uh, have get help from us. So I can assure the caller that we will assist them. In terms of, and I agree with Zizi that we feel that the focus on basic education has helped, so that we have a dedicated a support. We can monitor where the problems are because we can't fix the education system of this country if we don't fix the basic education. And more important, if we can't fix where it starts. On your foundation phase and your grade are we're finished. And that's why we are focusing our attention, our resources to primary schools. Because that's where it starts and ends. Mm. The first five years of a child's life determines their future performance in education. So it's key, 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 key to pay attention. And with parents also, it's to urge them to say, we need their support at all costs. We understand sometimes that there are work constraints, they're in urban areas, they're left place in rural areas, and that's why we appreciate the support that we get from governing bodies, that where parents are unable to do their responsibility, the school governing bodies must work representing parents to support parents in, in the interface, but sometimes it's circumstances beyond parental control. There are domestic workers that stay at home, so uh, the employers, they're not there to assist their children, so and that's why this question of the village, of the village being responsible for raising children being very important so that all of us as communities close gaps and, and really support our learners because it's very key to have 
uh, the support from the homes and from the family. I can see a restless, but yeah, yeah because I'm sorry, I'm we, sorry, I'm we, going we on and on. We are well into news Yeah, time. I know, sorry. But I'll tell you what, uh, clearly mm. there is a lot still to be discussed, and mm. of course learners going back to school next week, and that comes with a, a whole set of new problems, mm. but all of these we'll get into. People want to know, Minister, uh, you know, uh, details about the plans you have for the three worst performing uh, provinces because they say, you sound like a scratched record at this time. You always say we're going to improve. How exactly We've do you improved. plan on improving? They're not happy with the improvements. I'm telling you what they're saying. No, so, education is not an, an event where you can, I mean, if we can improve to more than 10%, all education we'll will be suspicious. We will you come back. You cannot have a 10% increase at a goal. It's not possible in the education system Minister, because of the complexity of the sector. Minister Angie Motecha, before I get killed here. So uh, we're going to come back and we'll talk more about all of these issues.